Today on From A to Ziggy, Criminal World. Welcome to you from us at From A to Ziggy, the preposition-heavy podcast where we dis- we listen to and talk about every single David Bowie song in alphabetical order. My name's Thomas. My name is Travis. And today we're talking about Criminal World from the 1983 album Let's Dance. This is our third Let's Dance song in very rapid succession. It's like it always seems to happen with the, it's the weird coincidence of the alphabetical universe. You get these songs in batches from the same era, even though it's supposedly at random. Yeah. Like there was like a, we talked about Tin Machine for like a month straight. Yeah. It's like so much Tin Machine and then no Tin Machine forever. And now it's, it's all about Let's Dance. Yeah. 1983 Bowie was apparently in a sea kind of mood. He was. A lot of sea songs. A lot of sea shanties. Uh, so, Criminal World, a cover of a song by Metro from when, 1977? Yeah. A band I'm not really familiar with. Yeah. Were you familiar with? I was not. I didn't know about Metro until reading the description about this song and said that it was a cover. So, mm. well, yeah, because when I've listened to Less Dance in the past, I just assumed it was a David Bowie song. Yeah, I was surprised the first time I found out that a lot of these David Bowie songs from when from after the Ziggy era just have a lot of covers on them. Yeah. Uh, which includes this one. So Metro was a kind of new wave post-punk band from uh, an English-speaking nation. Uh, yeah, I really don't know very much about them at all, including, <laughs> including I've forgotten who they were, what, their, what the names <laughs> of the members were. It was a duo at some point, and then it became a larger band, right? Yeah. Uh, Duncan Brown and Ian... No, Duncan Brown and Peter Godwin and Sean Lyons. Metro. Uh, David Bowie. David Bowie. This song falls into that category that, like, this is a hidden gem to me. So I thoroughly enjoy when I finally, like, listen to an album that's loaded with songs that are kind of overplayed and you kind of get to hear the the stuff that hasn't been... The deep cuts. The stuff you're discovering, the deep cuts. And you can't really tell if it's like, is this song really that good to me because it's something different from this album, or is it really that good? And then, you know, the more of a relationship you develop with the song, the more kind of you figure out where it is. This kind of, I think, I really like it. It does kind of, the more I listen to it, fall into that, like, I really, really liked it at first because it was new and different. Now I'm kind of like ambivalent. Like, it's a really good song. Probably one of my two or three favorites on, on Let's Dance. Whoa. Yeah. Whoa. Well, here's the thing, is I... I you know, China Girl is really super overplayed. Okay. So I'm kind of like, oh, I'm over China Girl. All right. I will, I know, I will always swear allegiance to Modern Love. That song does not get overplayed at all. So yeah, I would say probably Modern Love, even though it's overplayed, Let's Dance, and uh, and this one. Third favorite song. I think it's currently my third favorite song. From Let's Dance. Yeah. Over, over China Girl. Over China Girl, yeah. You rate it over China Girl because you're over China Girl. I am over China Girl. And over... All the rest. I don't have it pulled up. I don't remember what else. Over all the other album tracks on Let's Dance. Yeah. The rest of them are, are the ones that are not singles are, are album tracks. That's yeah. kind of a, an obvious <laughs> statement. Third I just feel like it's a good, it's, I really like the good driving drum beat in this song. Yeah. Like it feels less, the drums feel less dance and more driving rock less and dance. roll. Less dance on the Let's Dance. It just feels a little bit more like, which is weird because it's a cover of like a new wave song, but it feels more rock and roll. Yeah, the song gets kind of a makeover in the Bowie version. It becomes more 
uh, upbeat, more rock and roll, like you say. It's the the original version is kind of kind of sedate until it gets to the. It's one of these soft, loud, soft, loud yeah. songs. It's uh, pretty sedate in the verses, but then kind of picks up in the choruses, but not really. It's still pretty pretty low energy. Yeah. So Nile Rodgers. Nile Rodgers. Stevie Ray Vaughan. Stevie Ray Vaughan has a pretty good guitar solo on this as far as... It's your pretty... It, so if you were listening, if someone just told you, hey, I'm going to put on Let's Dance, Stevie Ray Vaughan's on this album, and you were thinking, I wonder if I'll be able to pick up when Stevie Ray Vaughan comes on, this solo hit be like, oh, that's definitely Stevie Ray Vaughan. Like the tone, and just it just sounds like so many Stevie Ray solos. It's very bluesy. It's very bluesy. James E. Perrone's book, he says that uh, the one element that stands out in this song from the new wave bands of the time is Stevie Ray Vaughan's bluesy guitar solo. Um, that's pretty much the only good thing he has to say about it. <laughs> about <this> song. <laughs> I'm uh, down on it. I mean, it's not a terrible song. No. That's not exactly what he said. He said it. It's, he said it's the standout part of this song. It's, it's a good part. I kind of I've kind of worn out on Stevie Ray Vaughan. So that was like one of the parts. Where I was like, eh, I've heard this solo a thousand times. You know what I like, like even better? What is? Uh, I think it's Nile Rodgers on guitar. He does the thing at the beginning of the song that he does on China Girl, that he does on Modern Love, kind of does on Let's Dance, where his his sort of rhythm guitar part stands out. Yeah, a lot. So it starts out with this weird sort of, like it's, it's moving up and down the neck and it's, it's kind of hard to nail it down. And then the, the beat comes in, it always kind of throws me off because the, the first beat of the measure is kind of not where I was expecting it to be. Mm. I like that part. Yeah, it's a good song. It's a good fun song. Um, but it also, it's not without controversy. This song kind of got thrown into to the discussion about how in the early 80s he was kind of like disavowing his sexually ambiguous days. There's an interview in Rolling Stone where he more or less said that, I'm not gay. I've never been gay. That's crazy talk. Right. Paraphrasing, of course. And then, you know, that alienated a lot of fans. This is kind of the first time the dreaded word sellout comes up. Well, yeah. Selling out. I mean, financially, Let's Dance was definitely his sellout oh, yeah. album because he got the huge record deal. You know, everything, everything changed, changed, uh, the, the whole, the whole management changed, his contract, uh, just huge and his style of music changed, but it sounds like you're talking more about selling out in terms of his ideals, his ethos, yeah, his personality. I mean, a lot of people when they, when they throw the charge of his fans. Yeah, I mean, there's always a little bit of that, a little tinge of that when you're accusing any act of selling out. It's a, it's a very delicate line between evolving and selling out. But generally when you're levying that against a band, you're accusing them of basically using you to get to this point and then turning their back. Yeah, I mean, you would, you identify for the longest time with a marginalized community Yeah. to just flat out backpedal and deny the things that you had stead, said explicitly before is kind of yeah. abandoning a, a, a culture, a whole whole culture because this actually is so this was an actual underrepresented culture we should go and we should we should describe what we're talking about yeah here the expression of sexuality in this song and how it differs from 
the original version. Bowie changes the lyrics to make them less gay. Yeah. Basically. Which was really kind of just a, another twist in the knife. So the interview was in May in 1983. It coincided with the release of Let's Dance. What did, what did he say exactly? Uh, the biggest mistake I ever made was saying I was bisexual. Christ, I was so young that I was experimenting. Here we go. Bowie talking to the NMEs. Like, everybody wanted me to be either one thing or the other, or, or definitely bisexual, or definitely this, or definitely that, and I found that quite disturbing. Even some of my own friends who were gay afterwards, it was like, oh, you really sold out, you let us down, you were just a fraud. Well, trying out bisexuality is not being a fraud. What it is, is trying out bisexuality. That's what it is. That's Bowie defending himself on, on the accusations. Um, I mean, he's got a point. Yeah. But, but, but if you think about it, so in the 70s and in the early 80s, the gay community needed, they needed a Bowie. They needed someone to kind of, you know. Someone really mainstream. I yeah. Mean, you, had, you had people like uh, Klaus Nomi. You had the, uh, the drag scene that sort of played around with, sexuality and expression but yeah but they really needed someone to basically say to them like yeah it really sucks to go through what you go through but hey something supportive something yeah. supportive and to sort of backtrack on that to make it completely explicit no definitely this is i'm totally straight like i was never gay i was never bisexual yeah. which could make them kind of feel like they you know and as members of the community express like it felt like they had just been used and the culture had been co-opted to kind of just help him up the ladder. Yeah. Let's Dance is a very straight album. Yes. Decidedly straight. I mean, it doesn't get much more masculine than shirtless boxing gloves. But what we're talking about specifically with this song is the changes that he made right. to the lyrics. So in there's three lines that are different from the original. So in Bowie, in the Metro version, the second half of the first verse, I'm not the queen, so there's no need to bow. I think I see beneath your makeup. I'll take your dress and we can truck on out. I guess, is that supposed to be like, sort of like cross-dressing? I think. This is no ordinary, this is no, and whereas Bowie changes the first line, I guess I recognize your destination, I think we see beneath your makeup. What you want is separation, I think. I might have those, those words wrong. Anyway, he changes that one. And then the most, the biggest change, I think, is I saw you kneeling at my brother's door. That's what... That's what the original Metro yeah. was for. He changes it. You caught me kneeling at your sister's door. So completely changes the sex of the person who owns the door and straight straightifies it, straightens it. Yeah. Heterosexualizes it. Which really, again, it just it feels like such a twist to the knife. Like, not only am I going to disavow your community, but I'm also going to take a song that was written by you, for you, and I'm going to make it all straight. And granted, if I had never known the Metro version, if I had never looked into it, I probably wouldn't have... I never gave it any thought. ...given it any thought, obviously. But in the first place, I probably wouldn't have thought too much about this, because this really is kind of a... I mean, it's as high as you, were, you said you regard it. It is... It's kind of... It's not one of the big singles. It's not no. one that most people are really familiar with. Most people would call this one kind of filler. Sometimes I find myself liking songs that are filler. I totally, I told, I'm with yeah. you there, because I, I feel the same way with a lot of songs. But it's kind of a minor song. It is. Generally regarded, it's kind of a minor song. So as, I don't know how fair it is to call it a controversial song. It kind of... I guess if, it in, is that in, a, in a certain but, little community, in a small subset of a community, it's a twist of a knife. And I mean, an important one, because, yeah. you know, it's, 
it's it's a major change to yeah. the lyrics of that song. But it's a thing that if it happened now, like in an age where artists are extra scrutinized because they're more connected to their fans and everything, this would be this would cause a royal internet show. And there's a lot of songs where you know a person will cover will cover a song and they'll change the sex of certain characters in the song. Yeah. Um, oh man, when I was watching. Um, they had a tribute to the Beatles concert on CBS. And first of all, I, I was mad going into it because most of the artists that they got for it were garbage. You shouldn't be covering the Beatles. Um, at one point, Katy Perry covered Yesterday, which enraged me in the first place. <laughs> and then she changed the lyrics to Why'd He Have to Go instead of Why'd She Have to Go. And I was just like, screw you, Katy Perry! So what is the... <laughs> What is the objection exactly to her changing she to he in that song? It's a classic song. You're you're nailed down to I'm the nailed lyrics. Down. If of you're gonna cover yesterday, you cover it word for verbatim. Yeah. Okay. What Don't about, change a thing. Who's the Who's the artist that covered "Fell in Love with a Girl" and changed it to um, "Fell in Love with a Boy"? That was Jill Scott. No, not Jill Scott. Oh man, what's her name? I can see her. She was barefoot all the time. Joss Stone! Ah, Joss Stone. Okay, so Joss Stone changed this song to Fell in Love with a Boy. What are your thoughts on that? I don't mind this because it's not an iconic... It wasn't at that time an iconic song. I mean, I guess it's still not an iconic song. If you're going to say, name an iconic White Stripes song, every time someone would say Seven Nation Army. Well, now, but before, before Seven Nation Army came this out, was this a breakthrough was a hit. big song. But it's not yesterday. Okay, so it depends... It's, it depends it's on a, how... you know it's how, a matter of scale. Yeah. You don't play with Beatle lyrics. You don't play with Beatle lyrics. You don't. You don't tug on Superman's cape, you don't spin into the wind, and you don't change Beatle lyrics. There's, uh, I was reading recently about somebody that covered Space Oddity, and she was female, and she changed, she didn't change Tell My Wife I Love Her Very Much. She, she kept it, Tell My Wife. Yeah. I Love Her Very Much. Don't change which, David Bowie lyrics. Which these days, you know, well, I mean, but... In the past, that would have been seen as a radical as a radical thing to do, not to change it to husband or something like that, right? Or some other line altogether, or I change um, it like my, tell my man I love him very much. Yeah, right. Yeah. So, but now that's sort of seen as a progressive act. Yeah. Is to to keep it the same, to preserve the uh, the words as they are, but we're dealing with the difference between preserving an, a piece of art the way it is and reinterpreting a piece of art from the perspective of someone who has an identity, a sexual identity or gender identity and a sexual orientation. So Katy Perry being presumably straight, I don't know. But also having a song, her breakthrough song is I Kissed a Girl. <laughs> so she's not exactly like okay. opposed to the gay community. Again, this is one of those situations where double standards absolutely exist. Not based on sex, but by who you are as an artist and who you are playing as an artist. And Katy Perry changes Beatles lyrics. That is the apex right there of no, no, do not. You are not allowed to do that because Katy Perry shouldn't even be allowed to listen to the Beatles, let alone change their lyrics. Gosh, Travis, <laughs> you are a Beatle. You are a pop culture tyrant. I am sometimes. I just, ah, oh, it's Katy Perry. I'm, I'm sure there's plenty of people who like Katy Perry. I'm, she's, she's good at what she does. It's not my cup of tea, but she, she doesn't have the cachet to, co to change Beatle lyrics. If she wants to cover a Bob Seger song and change the lyrics, go crazy, Katy Perry. 
roar away. But as long, like as long as it's not uh, get by with the did he? No, that's the Beatles. Was that Bob Seger too though? No, uh, Joe Cocker. Joe that. Cocker. Yeah, I get them confused. A they lot. do sound a little similar. I'm actually Bob Seger is basically Rust Belt Joe Cocker. I'm actually not opposed to changing lyrics, even David Bowie lyric, lyrics, and I, I'd say I rank David Bowie a little above the Beatles. Case in point, the Lazarus soundtrack is coming out pretty soon. Mm -hmm. uh, haven't heard it yet, but I've got it on pre-order. It's coming soon. They perform the song Heroes, and in the play, which was penned by David Bowie, co-written by David Bowie, in the play, uh, Thomas Jerome Newton, uh, the character from The Man Who Felt Worth, kind of uh, takes under his wing a girl, kind of adopts her. She, she, she's sort of a daughter figure. So they sing heroes. They don't sing we can be lovers because that would be creepy. Right. They change it to we can be free or something like that. I'm not opposed to that. I haven't heard it yet, but I feel like it's fine. So I feel like there's a very short list of artists who are allowed to change the lyrics in David Bowie songs. You know what that list is? David Bowie. <laughs> it's a list of one. It's a list of one. Maybe, like, if Paul McCartney was covering a David Bowie song and wanted to, like, Cause play Because he, tr he trumps David Bowie, because he's, he's also immune to... Yeah. Because he wrote yesterday. He can do whatever he wants. He can do whatever he wants. <laughs> so, you know, it's case by case. But I would say, this is if it's sanctioned by David Bowie... Talk about double standards. Oh, yeah. Um, okay, fair enough. Well, we're not going to solve this... We're not going to solve this controversy here on the podcast, yeah. but... It is important to point out. Um, Does the fact that I disagree with Dave Bowie changing the lyrics in this song completely undercut my entire argument? Does, does it? That's the equivalent of finding out that that whole argument took place inside the mind of an autistic child. A la Saint Elsewhere. <laughs> what are you talking about? So I would uh, definitely say that I disagree with David Bowie changing the lyrics yeah, in this okay. song. Because of the situation, yeah. which kind of undercuts the fact, because on, on an artist scale, David Bowie theoretically should be able to do whatever he wants to a Metro song. Yeah. He should basically be able to do it a Metro song, do to a Metro song, like what Peter Griffin did to The King and I, back when The Family Guy was actually still funny. He should theoretically be able to do whatever he wants. This is the one situation where he probably should not have done it. Okay. So it kind of undercuts, but I'm throwing caveats in there. You've established a hierarchy of artistry mm -hmm. and artistic license, but there are socio-cultural reasons not to do it yes. in certain cases. Exactly. Case by case. All right. Double, triple, quadruple standards. Oh, so many standards. Infinite standards. And infinite standards. There are as many exceptions as there are rules to people being having license to change yes. lyrics to songs. And you won't know if you did it until I'm ranting about it on the internet. Yeah, which means that this one clearly falls on the side of wrong. Because and yet I still kind of like the song. So there you go. Because <laughs> at the end of the day, rules and caveats aside, I, when it comes to popular culture, I am ultimately full of crap. Which is as good a time as any to get into ratings. What do you right. think of this song? I would give this song a solid three. Your it's not over one. It's my third favorite song on... It's not my favorite David Bowie album. So it's, mm -hmm. you know, my third favorite song on an album I like, but I don't love. It kind of has made me rethink the entire way I think about popular culture 
in about a half hour's time. And then ultimately, <laughs> ultimately find myself agreeing with myself again anyway. Um, yeah, I'd give it a three. It's a solid three. It's got some good features to it in spite of some of it being not okay. And that's really why we do this podcast is so that we can overanalyze things and come to the same conclusions we had coming in mm-hmm. to the episode. I also have not changed my perspective on this song since, uh, since coming into it, since coming into this episode. I was thinking about it on the way over here. A two. A two is the highest I can give this wow. song, really. It's, it, it, I really think this song is kind of filler. I like other songs on Let's Dance better than I like this song. It's, it really is just kind of filler. Two, uh, oh, we forgot units. Two, um, two gender-swapped characters opening doors. Three gender-swapped characters opening doors. Um, Man, it's going to be really embarrassing when I listen to Let's Dance again and remember other songs I like better than this one. Don't worry, we'll, we will hold your feet to the fire once we get to... Because all of the ratings are recorded in a spreadsheet yeah. and we have the records of everything. Hard, cold data to hold up to your yeah. hot feet. Because even as I'm saying it, I'm thinking, do I actually like Ricochet better? Right, that's, I mean, that's one thing I'm thinking <laughs> right now. Yeah, well, that's going to keep me up at night. That's probably going to do it for Criminal World, right? Yeah. I had a note here, something about Daft Punk's Get Lucky Oh, possibly being I was related think- to this song. I was thinking about what Get Lucky when you started talking about how Nile Rodgers' rhythm track really stood out. Mm-hmm. That was, so that song was also produced by Nile Rodgers. Yeah. Right? Played on it. Nile Rodgers, you can't touch him as far as rhythm guitar players go. Like, it's very, it's, he, it's always very memorable. Mm-hmm. Oh, last thing. Chris O'Leary says uh, that after the chorus, you have the uh, the rhythm of "Long Cold, Long Cool Woman in a Black Dress" by the Hollies coming in, which is a song I always thought was Creedence Clearwater Revival, and I love CCR, so I don't know why I thought that because I know all of their songs. Uh, the Metro version, the Metro version ends with this long coda that kind of sounds like Dazed and Confused, mm. Led Zeppelin. Well, but yeah, so maybe there's a little bit, a little bit of a tie-in. There. Maybe there's a reason for calling in those two songs. Maybe there's a significance to the two songs that get pulled into this, uh... Maybe. This trio of songs. This menage a trois, so to speak, of songs. So, listener, if you can think of any connections between Long Cool Woman in a Black Dress and Metro's version of Criminal World and David Bowie's version of Criminal World and Dazed and Confused, podcast at com. We can also follow us at on Facebook and on Twitter at From A to Ziggy. Subscribe on uh, iTunes, on Stitcher, and on Google Play. And leave us a review and a rating. Help us out there. Get noticed more. Uh, Until uh, next time in this criminal world. What's the next song? Um, You know it's criminal. What? Is theft. Theft is a crime. Theft is a crime, especially of extravagant things. Perhaps you are someone who's into things that are extravagant and geographical. Perhaps you go out there and break into a museum and steal. Like in The Great Muppet Caper? Like in The Great Muppet Caper, you've stolen a giant crystal Japan. Oh, yeah. A crystal map of Japan. So we're going to talk about crystal Japan. And that was... Good segue. That was a segue. Uh, next time on the show is Crystal... No, that was a good one. I, that was way better than I could have thought, thought of. Just pull it all out. Crystal Japan is the next song we're going to cover on From Me to Ziggy. Until then, you can uh, follow us on the social medias. We just said that. Thomas Butler is... My name's Thomas. I don't have a last name. <laughs> one name. Like Prince. And I am Travis. 
And we are from A to Ziggy. That's, that's, that's going to be the new ending. I'm gonna get uncomfortably close to you. It's okay. Such, such is podcasting. <laughs> <laughs>